G'day and welcome to a special podcast from Green and Gold Rugby. After a historic win last night, uh, we have managed to get hold of um, a, a man, the brains trust behind it, uh, Lord Laurie Fisher. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thanks. Now, I've also got Scott Allen here, um, as, as as usual, and um, we're just really looking forward to having a chat to you, mate. So, uh, what time did you get to bed last night? Uh, got home about one thirty or thereabouts, so it was uh, it was pretty good. I'm sure the boys didn't go to bed that early, mate, but they're not uh, as clean living as myself. <laughs> Mate, that, that, they must. I mean, I mean, I we you and I swapped a tweet last night about it. But you know, how does it, does is that as good as coaching gets? You know, putting a you know your B side goes out against um, you know a, a team with five hundred and fifty caps between them, and for most of the match dominates them. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I, I find it hard to believe you could have something more satisfying than uh, than a coaching performance like that, and certainly for me to to be part of a. Uh, the team that can not knock off the British Lions is uh, will be very hard to surpass, mate. Yeah. So, because my question was going to be, did you guys look to do anything different last night? Was there anything new you put in? Because it looked like you just did what you'd been doing all year, but really well. Was there any any little things you tried to inject? No, nothing whatsoever. That uh, not not one new thing in the game. We just had a, just a standard three three or four. Uh, of our standard plays that, that uh, we, be- we barely got a chance to play. I mean, we, we understood that, the, that there'd be a lot of pressure at the set piece, uh, both scrum and line out. So you're not taking a big menu in. So uh, our focus was to was to try and, and uh, not play in our half, to try and uh, put put some pressure around the break. And we felt with, with the Northern Hemisphere referee that, that there may be just a little bit more latitude around the breakdown. Hmm. Uh, so that we, we, knew, we knew we had to, to put them under pressure. If we just allowed them to play, uh, allowed them to come at us, I think it would have only been one result. So we just had to get on the front foot. We had to put our, our head down, and, uh, and I thought we defended well. That we that we uh, pressured the breakdown. We we got some set piece pressure, and uh, and that's that's nothing different to what we've done in every other game this year. Because if I look by, by the stats, you know, like the headline stats, um, you see. You kind of, you know, you had a majority of possession, but then, you know, as far as, you know, you guys had to put the tackles in, um, you know, the by the end of the game, the way the kind of the, the errors and things added up, you'd almost think the Lions kind of won that game when, like I say, there was huge areas of the game where you really were are quite dominant. Where would you point to for in the stats that you would say, look, that's where we won it? Is there anywhere? Well, I think forcing, I think forcing uh, seven line-out turnovers, I, I think is crucial, and I think if you look at um, at, at their at their, at their sort of gain line or running meters, I don't think they've got any go forward around the, around the ruck area. So yeah, the natural game of maybe taking to an edge and then being able to come back to a fully loaded back line, they got they got they didn't get a flow of quick ball or gain line ball. And we could we could reset our defensive line with comfort most of the time. So I think in the end they made one. 
maybe one or two line breaks were really going into this game that averaged probably 15 line breaks a game. So I think that was the difference. That was certainly very impressive, Laurie, that you were keeping them from getting to the game line with that defence. But uh, And you talk about the line-out, and, you know, the star there for you guys obviously was Peter Kimlin. What have you guys been feeding him the last few months? Yeah, I look, look, I mean, he's just got some clear direction in his game about about what we'd like him to do, and I, and I think that makes any footballer play better. If you know what's ex- exactly what's expected of you, then, then you have a, a greater chance to deliver on that. But I might also add that that, uh, that the other guys in the line-out, you know, he, he doesn't do it by himself. But, uh, Ruan Smith, who was, who was lifting from in front, and, and Leon, who was uh, uh, working from behind, the, the pressure that Scott Fardy was putting at the front so they couldn't take cheap ball. So it's, it's the effort of everybody uh, that allows the accolades to one. So I just thought it was a very good team effort. Yeah, and on that line-out, I mean... Rory Best, with his throwing, was under a lot of pressure from you guys. Um, is that something that, you know, from your time in Ireland, have you seen that in his past? I know he had some meltdowns last year in the Six Nations, but... Well, that, that's right. He's he had a couple of tragic uh, throwing days uh, internationally over the last couple of years, and, and we felt that that was an area that we could get pressure, that uh, we didn't want to give him an out at the front, uh, a, a bit like New South Wales, he just allowed them to win ball at the front. We thought if we could stop them winning at the front and and use Kimo's speed and athleticism uh, to try and and work sort of uh, uh, back to middle of the line out, then then we'd get some pressure on him, and uh, it certainly worked out that way. It did, and it's crumb time. I mean, until they brought on, you know, probably their test reserve front row. I thought you guys were dominating the scrums. It was a great performance. Yeah, look, I, uh, it was pretty pleasing. I, I thought Scott Seo was was, uh, was outstanding. I thought uh, uh, Ruan Smith in his uh, in his first start for the Bumbies, you know, a, a massive job. And, and again, their experiences. They're two young men. You know, twenty two, twenty three, and they one in his in his first year, and the other guy in his second year of professional rugby. Well, they've got a long way to go, and it was a wonderful experience. And uh, they they hung tough, Saliva Saliva in the middle again. Yeah, that's probably his. Uh, I think that's his third start in the professional game of rugby. So I think between the three front rowers, they have less than twenty starts in professional rugby. So that that's again speaks volumes for for where they are now, but I think where they can go to in the future. Yeah, it was outstanding, and in fact, I thought the scrum was going so well. You probably didn't even need Ian Price's tactic of that nice little feed. Uh, yeah, but uh, if you're getting away with it, then uh, like, like again, it's it's you know, we, we know that we weren't going to be able to to walk over the ball or, or to leave leave the ball in the scrum for a long period of time. So again, as all halfbacks do. Uh, I don't think Ian Freed was any different to a lot of other halfbacks. That uh, it was to our advantage, and and I, and I think it, you, you've got to do that if you've got your hooker hooking against a scrum with their power, then you, you're going to be in strife. And yeah, Laurie, absolutely. like it was with the Waratahs, I was at the SFS, and when we saw the Lions empty their bench, um, there was a bit of a shudder that went around the ground when you saw this kind of you know half international pack, or actually for the against the Tuzzling, it was almost a whole international type five wandered out on. You guys must have been expecting that, and it kind of came. What was your reserves strategy around that? Was it just to hang tough, or what were you thinking? Yeah, look, look, look. We we didn't have uh, a lot of depth in our front row stocks. You know, we had uh, 
J.P. Smith who's never played. You know, well, our two reserve props are, are both amateur players at this point in time. Never played a professional game in, in their life. So the onus was on the two boys who started to go as hard as they could for as long as they could. And uh, and, and thankfully, they were both able to go the 80. And uh, the, the, you know, I, I think that would have been uh, a telling point had they not been able to deliver an 80-minute performance. And at half-time, Laurie, any changes to the instructions? I mean, we saw some footage of you talking to the forwards seemed to be indicating that you were talking about either them sealing off or you guys not wanting to seal off and give away penalties. What was the general instruction? No, no look, look we, were, we, were, we were just talking about what we talked about before the game, so it was about doing uh, the ordinary parts of our game as well as we could. And the ordinary parts of our game being our, our, our carry and our groundwork our, our, our connection to our ball carriers to try and uh, uh, negate the contest for possession, uh, our, our, our low tackle, uh, those sorts of things. So it was a, a, a day to focus on, on doing your trade work as well as you can, that uh, no tricks, uh, nothing out of the bag, just keep working and doing exactly as we needed to do. And uh, that was the focus of our discussion. We had a little bit of talk about about uh, what we could do on the tight head side, and a little bit of talk about about line out defence strategy as well. But it was just to reaffirm uh, that what our expectation was, and and, and to get. I, I thought we showed in the first forty that we had a greater design, a greater want than them, and 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 felt that they'd come out uh, trying to reverse that trend in the second half. So we needed to maintain uh, the, the desire to get a result. So, so, Laurie, we're now in a situation where it's pretty fascinating. Obviously, we're just a few days away from the first test. But we've seen amongst the, you know, the, the major uh, provinces so far with the Reds and the Waratahs against what you guys did last night. We've seen, you know, broadly speaking, two patterns of play. Um, you guys played a lot more territory. They seem to play with, try and play with a lot more width. Um, what do you think? But then only one team's you know, won against the Lions. What do you think? Can we read anything into that, or was the team last night so different? What What do you think now that we've seen? You know, we've seen all we're going to see really before the first test. Well, well, I've never coached a test match level, but I imagine everything tightens up a little bit at test match level. That it becomes, uh, you really do have to earn your yardage. Uh, that that I, you know, I think the carry in the forwards to provide a platform uh, for, your, for your ability to play. If you want to play with any width. Uh, you've got to get some yardage and quick release first. I don't think you'll see sides just ping, pinging the ball to the edge because they can. I mean, you, you know, in, in, in the Lions game so far, like in the, some of the sides that have been selected against them, uh, that they've had the capacity to, to play with impunity uh, to the width of the game. But uh, the Test match rugby is completely different. It's much more attritional. And I think both, both sides will, will be tight and hard for a long period of time. They'll also have the skill uh, to open up an opportunity if it comes, but uh, I, I think it'll be tight and hard and the, and the freeness that the Lions have played within some of their earlier games, I, I don't think that'll be as evident. So, so you think they're going to tighten down and, and, and the Wallabies uh, should as well. How does that play, though, with this kind of you know Lions pack that we're looking at against the Wallabies pack? How, how can you see that working out, though? With the Lions pack. Yeah. Well, they, they'll have a hard-working pack. I mean, you, you look at guys like O'Connell and, and Wynn Jones and, and Heaslip, uh, 
Uh, yeah, those guys, you know, they're, they're hard yards players. They're not, they're not going to be flashy to the edge players. I mean, someone like Croft, with his pace and athleticism, was a guy who could hurt you on a fringe. But they'll work hard up front. They will look to play a more traditional game that they will try and scrum for points, mm-hmm. that they'll try and maul a little bit more. That they'll that they'll put some high ball up and chase, and as I, and, and they'll work the standard pack, which is try to take you to an edge, release some quick ball on the way back, and play to a full back line. Yeah, you know, again, that they'll try and carry blokes like George North and that, uh, you know, perhaps in, into that close channel, so, so carrying it at nine and ten to try and get game line and and release. So all the traditional parts of the game will be in place, and they're only then able to play with any with, with any width. If all that works for them, yeah. so uh, yeah, that'll be the challenge. Is, is if they get quality set piece and they get a George North running uh, and 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 you know, getting over the game line and releasing quick ball through the ten twelve channel, then then the Wallabies are chasing the game defensively. So where would be? And I know it's tough because you look at that Lions team and it's and it's a damn good one. So this isn't an easy question, but with what you've seen and and what you know coming into this whole series as well so far. Where are one or two areas that you think the Wallabies, either with the kind of the players we've got, or maybe a few little holes that you've seen uh, so far? What would you, where would you expect to see that the Wallabies could get some pay? Well, I think again we can pressure their line out. I, I, I think, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that Ben Mullen gets the nod that that. that He's an outstanding operator in the line out, and and, and uh, not, you know he's he's accurate on our ball, but he's got a great understanding of how to exert pressure on opposition ball. And I, I, I think that's a telling part of the game. Again, you know, scrums are scrums. They're not a great attacking platform. That there's, you know, there'll be plenty of free kicks and penalties at scrums, and I, and I think the Lions will scrum for penalty a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So line outs the attacking platform, and if we if we can deny them a tidy ball, if we can affect delivery, if we can turn a few over, then you, you don't get the big boys running at the 10-12 channel and, and they don't get the momentum in their game. So I'd be spending a lot of time in making sure that our, that our line-out defence really got some pressure on them. Wow. I mean, that, and that would be a real change for the Wallabies that from, you know, from over the last few years. So hopefully Sharpie's been earning his coin. Yeah, well, him and, and the players, look, I know Ben will take, he will take an attitude of, of wanting to compete in the air and wanting to put pressure on, and and, and I'm hoping that, that that's the policy that they'll adopt. Uh, and and you know, look, look, if if you can pressure them in the air, you don't have to worry about them all. Uh, you, know, you, you get the job done first. So so effect delivery, effect delivery, at the top of jump will turn it over, and, and you make your game a whole lot easier. And Laurie, just at the breakdown, you know, what do you think the policy should be there? Attack the breakdown, throw some numbers in. Or are we better off to leave their ball and get back into our defensive line? Well, again, I, I'm not an advocate. Look, you've got to set a good defensive line, but I, I'd be always a strong advocate of making them earn their possession. But if they get, yeah, if they get two quick rucks in a row, then you're on the, you're on the back foot. They get, you know, they get a double up carry into you. They punch a gain line. They get quick ball, and you and you're on the retreat. Again, I'd, I'd be a strong advocate of, of completing hard. You've got to make some good decisions, I understand. But I, I, I think a, a, a good, strong legs tackle focus and, and, and put your head and, head and shoulders over and past the ball. You've got to make them work. Great. That's a great insight on the Wallabies. Just to finish up on the Brumbies, what's the plan now? Have you guys, you guys have got a bit of a break, obviously, from playing. Do the guys yep. get a holiday? Um, what, what's happening? 
Yeah, they're, they're just they're, they're off till uh, Monday, so they'll be back in Monday. They've just we just asked them to do uh, uh, just an upper and a lower session in the gym sometime over the next five days, so that they they're prepared to just get some work next week. They will have a a mixture. We've, we've got a, a conditioning focus next week, just one strong session to to uh, clean out the pipes, and then a, a little couple of little things we want to tinker and practice with our game. So we'll probably have, uh, we'll train next week, um, three sessions, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll have the front end and the back end of the week off, and then we'll take that same into the following week. So we, we, we need to we need to just keep pushing our game along. We, we just have to come up with a couple of little things for the back end of the season. So now's the time to, to recharge the batteries to see if we can just get a little edge in our conditioning, but also just get a couple of small developments in our game. And, and that oh, we, we wish you good luck with the end of the season coming up. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say what a fillip this win must be, though, you know, to kind of spur you guys on. Uh, well, it is, and, and uh, it was one of the points we said to the lads last night that we that we want to enjoy the moment, but 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 use the experience to make you a better player, and 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 whether it's whether whether you've you've now got more confidence in your ability, or whether there's something you learned from the opposition, or or what have you, but but. Enjoy it, but learn from it, and, and that's very much what we're about as a team and an organisation. We're very, uh, still very early on, on on that road of development. We've got a long way to go, and uh, the the worst thing we can do is fall in love with ourselves and, and and think that we're we've achieved something that we haven't. We've had a we've had a great moment for the club, but there's uh, there's more hard yards to be done. But there's more uh, there's more gold at the end of the highway there for us. Good one, mate. Well, look. We really appreciate the time this morning. You don't sound too dusty at all, so I'm inclined to believe your story of a, of an, of a relatively early night. Oh, look, a couple of Guinness and uh, you can't get a hangover. It's, it's health food. <laughs> Mother's milk. <laughs> Mother's milk, mate. That's it. That's it. <laughs> all right, mate. Thanks very much for talking to us and um, good luck for the rest of the season. Cheers, lads. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Right there, right there. So there we go. Always great to have uh, Laurie on the game, on the podcast because he just well I, obviously he's so knowledgeable, but also just you know so forthright and uh, and happy to share. Like I say, you always find the top coaches are, are kind of happy to talk about that sort of stuff because they realise you know it's one thing to talk about it, it's another thing to implement it. What stood out to you in that discussion, mate? Um, look, it was great to have him on. Obviously, the morning after the game, mm. but. Um, Good to hear also, though, that the Brumbies, you know, they're not looking to change too much for the Lions. They're going with what they know, mm. um, you know, and, and I wonder what that means to the Wallabies. Are they going to go with what they know or are they going to try something different against the Lions? We've seen the Waratahs played, you know, pretty similar to what they've been playing. The Reds changed up even more from what they normally play. So we've seen a bit of change and now we've seen a team, you know, just do what they normally do. Mm. I guess, you know, I think, you know, if we look at what does that really mean for the Wallabies, and, and I look at it in these this respect, you know, tech, uh, tactically, the Brumbies attack the line-out. Great plan, but it's going to be a little bit different with the, the pack and the line-out throwers that the Lions will have on Saturday night. So that's going to make that tactic, you know, maybe not as relevant as it was last night. Mm-hmm. Um, tactically, last night, it's wet conditions. We're not expecting wet conditions on Saturday night. So, 
you know, both teams were kicking the ball a lot. The Lions were kicking it back a lot more than they have on tour. Um, I think that would have been something to do with the wet conditions. I mean, you saw a lot of high balls put up to see whether they could get a, you know, a spill. Um, so that might nullify some of that. Um, if you look at technically, what did the Brumbies do that we might apply to the Wallabies? Well, technically, you know, they had a very good defence, uh, good solid line, and they attacked the breakdown. And you know, got to agree with what Laurie's saying about attack the breakdown. Try and make it a contest. Don't just fan out and try and defend because I don't mm. think that's going to get any payback for the Wallabies. So, I mean, I would have been surprised if the Wallabies weren't already thinking that. So. I don't think that change plans. It'll just reinforce, hopefully, what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's tactical, technical. And I, I guess the third T, when you're looking at a match ticker, you know, and what ticker they showed last night. Yeah. Um, again, are the Wallabies going to get anything out of that? No, because they know they're going to have to put in a magnificent performance against, you know, what will be a very good Lions team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there were, some, there were some interesting things. I guess the other thing you look at, what, is it, what does it say for the Brumbies? It says what a good organisation they've put together. Mm. They've got a great culture, obviously. They've had a lot of guys out. You know, there were 11 out last night, and yet they still bring in guys who haven't had a lot of experience, who still play the way they want to play. They're obviously bought into the culture. And what does it say about the coaching staff? Mm. That they can take you know, a group of pretty inexperienced guys mixed with a few, in, uh, a few experienced guys and put in that sort of performance. Yeah. Um, it obviously shows the importance of set piece, um, and you know both at scrum time and line out the Brumbies dominated early, and then when the Lions brought on their bench, you know actually I think the Lions probably got a little bit of dominance, but by then, you know the Brumbies are starting to tire a little. Mm. Um, what it does show from the Lions, what about the lack of depth outside their twenty-three yeah. in terms, of, particularly their forwards? Mm. We, we knew their backline was struggling, and they've had to bring players in from all over the place. But those that forward pack, I, I didn't look at that and think, well, that's an ordinary forward pack. But guys like Toby Falatow, mm. and really, I know he carried the ball a lot, but he didn't have, have any impact, did he? No. No, I mean, I, out of all those points uh, you make, I, I, I agree with all of them. I think the interesting, that most interesting one that I think also came out of what Laurie was talking about, though, was... And we've and you, we've talked about it. You've written about it extensively. Is over the past few years, the Wallabies have kind of given up, uh, you know, set piece battle. You know, can we get, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, kind of a equivalence parity. Parity. That's the word I'm looking for. Equivalence parity at scrum, maybe, and then you know, don't even contest the lineouts, the, the defensive lineouts. So, and I think you know what Laurie's saying is, you know, just it's just it's it's a crazy mentality. You just can't do that, and you can't allow a team like this. I mean, I think he spelt that out beautifully. You can't allow them, you know, off a set piece like the line out, um, just to run at you with with what they've got because it's it's just going to be a disaster. Um, so it's going to be. But having said that, I agree with what you're saying though that that's easier said than done on this Lions line out. Um, it is going to be a hard battle. So that's going to be fascinating to see whether we've made any headway on that. But you, you can yeah. only, you can only see disaster if we kind of just do what we've done for the last few years, surely. Yeah, well, it's a good point. You know, try and cut the ball off its source. And no matter how hard it is, you still try. Yeah. Because even, you know, and I mean, what I say to defensive lineouts when I'm coaching them is you might go 70 minutes in a game and not win a single line out of theirs. Mm. But in the last 10 minutes of the game, probably when it matters more, you win one. And it's a result of the pressure you put on in the first 60, 70 minutes 
that you win that one. Yeah. Um, you know, think back to the all-important moment in the third test in 2001 against the Lions. Mm. I mean, that, that steal from Justin Harrison effectively wins the Wallabies the series. Yeah. Um, so it is so important to keep pressuring them, not, not have a crack early and then say, oh, you know, gee, they're, they're too good, they're winning the ball early, we'll just defend. Keep going at it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's one of the things where, um, and yet there's a sirens just indicating how important this is, but uh, the, that's one of the things that I think is, been re- is interesting about some of the injuries we've had, though, here, as far as forcing, maybe forcing the Wallabies hands. You know, the fact that we don't have Taff throwing, and I think we all know, you know, he, he's got a lot of attributes. Line-out throwing isn't one of them. Um, and then having Moen probably almost forced into the squad, you know, with Higgers out, um, that gives us a real couple of options, both in defence and attack in the lineup, doesn't it? And makes decisions that otherwise, you know, would they have been made? I mean, they hadn't been made in, the, in previous years. So, you know, this is, uh, you know, when Laurie says, look, I think this is a crucial part of the game plan, um, you know, maybe this could be one of the things that's a real blessing in, in disguise for the Wallabies. Well, the third one you have to add to that is Sidalecki Tamani. Yes, indeed. because yeah. I mean, I'm sure he would have been there, and, and unfortunately, he does weaken the Wallaby lineout. Mm. Um, yeah, look, if if Taff was throwing, I think you would have seen the sort of pressure that the Brumbies were able to put on Rory Best last night would probably, you know, really test Taff. So, yeah, look, I, I think well, firstly, at scrum time, as I said the other day, I think we can actually more than achieve parity, given what. Dave offering uh, with Werner Polar on the loose head side, I think we can actually get on top of this line scrum. Not every scrum, but I think, you know, we'll be more than their equal. Mm-hmm. I think, we're, you know, the scrum. But, look, scrums are important. I love scrums, but the line-out is more important. And with a mixture of Moen, Douglas, Horwell um, in there, and you've got, uh, probably Hugh McMenamin on the bench or maybe Rob Simmons. You know, they're all good line-out operators, so that will really help us. The other thing that came out of last night's game for me, and I think this is applicable to the Wallabies, and uh, I'm going to put an article up tomorrow on James O'Connor, but how poorly an inexperienced 10 was able to control the game for the Lions last night. Mm. And I know he didn't have a lot outside him that he'd played with or had trained together, but, I mean, he just couldn't manage the game. Yeah. Uh, the Brumbies put him under pressure, which is fantastic. They caused a lot of the problem. But then because he hasn't played there a lot, um, I know he played there at school, but he's only had one senior game, which was against combined country there, how he just couldn't get them out of trouble. So, you know, all, all word is James O'Connor at 10 on Saturday night. Um, let's hope that as the Lions apply pressure to him, uh, he's not doesn't show up the inexperience that Hogg showed up last night. Yeah, and because the, conv- the converse of that was kind of the game that Matt Tamua had. Yet again, looked excellent. A lot of chat about him, including coming from me. So I, I've done some player ratings um, today. Uh, I might have got carried away, but I think that's allowed um, after such an historic win. But um, up there towards the top is, is Matt Tamua. A lot of people talking about him in gold. Some people saying he should be in, in gold um, You know, in this series. How did you assess his game? I thought it was fantastic. Mm. Um, look, he's been—I thought he's been solid all year, without and, and probably you know above average, but solid. I think last night he stepped up another level. Yeah, and and that was a question people were asking was we'll find out if guys like Mog 
and Tamua can play test rugby. Well, they played against test players last night and, you know, and a lot of caps. And I know the combinations mightn't have been there, but he lifted to another level. His defence was just outstanding. Well, what about it? what he did to 12? 12 Trees is going to be having nightmares about him. I mean, you know, because, you know, the number of times 12 Trees kind of, as he got the ball, had all of a sudden, you know, Tamua spearing him and, and driving him backwards. It was just, it, and it just stopped them so many times in their tracks, didn't it? Yeah, and again, the good part with the way he played in attack was he managed the game. Mm. He controlled what the Brumbies were doing, and that's what you need your 10 to do, so that even when things aren't going well, you know, there's still somebody there solid who's saying, right, this is the game plan, or this is what we're going to do, and I'll, I'll kick for a corner here. Whatever it may be, the decision they make, they have such a major impact, and he has really shown a lot of maturity this year, and he is getting better. Interesting thing is that that's two games in a row now where you and I have both talked and come away raving about the 10. Bernard Foley on Saturday <laughs> and Matt, Matt Tamua here. So there's two young guys. I mean, I think they offer a, a much wider um, range of skills and experience at 10 mm. than what we're running out with the Wallaby squad at the moment. Well, just imagine this, the different conversation we could be having next year about who our 10s are, especially heading towards 2015, that doesn't include Quade Cooper and James O'Connor or maybe even Kurtley Beale in it, you know. Um, we could be talking about, you know, Matt Tamua, Bernard Foley, Christian Lelofano, you know, obviously uh, uh, kind of injuries permitting. But just to finish off on Tamua, the thing I find interesting about it as well is the different type of 10. I think it's a, sort of a different type of 10 than we've had for a while. I'm trying to think what it is that he brings. I wonder, is it, and I'm trying to, th- you know, can I liken him to another player? And I'm trying to think who that is. Is it, is it Noddy Liner? I'm not sure. But I'm not sure who we've had showing the sort of defensive qualities that he showed last night. You know, like an aggressive defensive quality that then allowed, you know, the pack to get over and uh, contest at, at, at the breakdown. Who, who does he remind you of? Um, he doesn't remind me of a Wallaby 10. Yeah. Because, and, and not that he can't play you know, a different style, it's because he's now working and for the last two years has been working with a style that we haven't seen the Wallabies or a lot of Australian teams play. Mm. Um, and he, uh, it was interesting what, how Laurie answered the question about Peter Kimlin. He's been given clear direction of what they want from him and, and I guess the same answer would probably apply to Matt Tamua. They've said to him, here's our game plan and here's the clear direction of what you need to do to make it work. So he, he's offering us a completely different look to, I think, what we've seen in any Wallaby 10 for quite a while. None spring to mind immediately. I mean, Noddy Liner, yes, he was, he was more the solid type of guy, but you know, he had some very, very good skills mm. um, that I'm sure Tamua's got. And we see them from time to time. Noddy Liner had some guys outside him that allowed him to display those skills more often. Mm. So it may well be Tamua can... can come into his sort of mould. Mm. Um, but, you know, he doesn't strike you as a Stephen Larkin type player. No. Um, uh, having said, I mean, you know, we saw him, which game was it? The game where he, uh, for the Brumbies, uh, only a few weeks ago, where he kind of threw like a, I think it was a quadruple mispass um, to a winger uh, to, so he could just dot down. Because, um, I mean, a few people have said, oh, yeah, but he wouldn't have the wide game. Um, I don't know. I mean, he, obviously they haven't been playing that the Brumbies, but we've seen a, a you know a few you know pieces of evidence that he could do that. Oh yeah, look, he can do it. I saw him play as a schoolboy mm. um, up here in Queensland, and he can certainly do it. 
we're just not seeing it at the moment. What we're yeah. just seeing this different fly half. Um, and you know, look, fits within that game plan fantastically. I'm sure can adapt to other game plans. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing is that we've got, you know, say Bernard Foley, who has had to adapt his game plan from playing sevens to playing fifteens. And we're watching him grow. I reckon we're watching Tamua grow. Mm. Um, and that's, that's a really good thing for Australian rugby. It is indeed. And then, because um, the other thing would be, you know, just imagine, you know, with uh, Jake White uh, winning last night as, as, as head coach, you know, that's another little, you know, notch on the bedpost for him looking at who's going to be the uh, Wallaby coach, say, you know, post the end of this year. And if Jake were to get that spot, then Matt's been working with him for, you know, for a while now. So that would, you know, definitely uh, give him a boost. But looking at other players uh, in the player ratings, now, I think it might be for the second time ever on Green and Gold Rugby, I've given somebody a 10 or we've given somebody a 10. So, and the definition of our player ratings, 10 is a legendary performance to go down in the history books. Um, well, it was a definitely a historical win. He was the captain, and I thought he just played out of his skin yet again. You're a hard marker. Would you have given Peter Kimlin a 10 for last night? Well, oh. <laughs> can we have a nine and a half? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, he was fantastic. It, yeah. um, it, is, it is one of the better performances that we've seen from any player in any match this year. Mm. Um, and to think about the opposition he was up against and the fact that he was leading a very inexperienced team. Great work. Uh, I, I watched, I was doing a little bit of a work this morning um, and I saw even early in the game the chip kick he put through. Yeah. The grubber kick and that worked out perfectly. So yeah. <laughs> he, he just could do no wrong last night. So no, 10's fair enough. Okay, yeah. I mean, I was thinking, I was umming and ahhing over it this morning. I thought if only he'd lobbed over for a try, it would have been a no-brainer. But I think as captain with such a historic win, if there's any a time that you can pick one up, um, that's there. Colby Fienger, you and I have been raving about him. He had yet another perler, and yet again it was a, an all-round performance, wasn't it? It was. He, he was very good. And they really did go after that breakdown. Mm. Uh, so let's hope that the Wallabies do that on the weekend. And, I mean, the highlight, well, one of the highlights, but towards the end there when the Lions had that scrum, and you thought they're going to hold this ball in. They've got their new pack on and they're going to try and earn the penalty. And somehow the Brumbies conjured up a tight head. I think it might have come out the other tunnel, but who cares? It's still a tight head. Yeah. And it robbed them of the ability there. And basically, once they won that scrum for the Brumbies, I thought, you know, they're going to do this. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was amazing. I thought that was... I mean, and, and you know, Hibbard knew it. He was just putting him back down for a scrum every time. Yeah, um, you know that was going to be penalty, and that was going to be game over. So yeah, that was definitely the point of the match, wasn't it? Um, okay, so that's that's the Brumbies. Anything else out of that game that you know that you wanted to cover? They wanted to cover off. I mean, this was supposed to be a, a fast, a fast little podcast. Yeah, I mean the only thing, and I tweeted this last night, is that they may the what the Brumbies may have done the Wallabies a little bit of a disservice there, in that if there was any complacency or comfort factor for the Lions, I think that went out the door after last night. Yeah. I think whoever's playing in the test on Saturday will be hell-bent on making sure that they don't walk away losers. So mm. uh, it was interesting, Shane Williams, when he came in, talked about he could feel a certain level of arrogance, um, which is, is never really... I don't think it's a good thing. He said it was a good thing the other day, you know. Mm. But now, <laughs> I think they'd now be hurting, so... Mm. 
We there's, may see uh, the, the giant awakened. Well, there's two ways to think about that, though, because uh, I know uh, Brian Moore uh, from the, I mean, it was back in 89 team, but he's written about how important the dirt trackers are as far as kind of setting the tone. And I guess one of the things you saw out of last night was there was kind of, there looked to be a, amongst the, the Lions a bit of a, well, for a lot of them, oh, I don't know if I really want to be here, you know, I've, you know so I'm obviously not in the run-on side. Um, and like you said, especially in the pack, there's like a bunch of guys in there who in the other games when they played were just, you know, totally dominant. Um, were having absolute shockers, just didn't want to put the body on the line. Um, and once somebody's in their face, kind of took steps backwards. So I wonder, you know, hey, we're all reading tea leaves here. But if you go with Brian Moore, he says, oh, now they get to go back and camp and they've been, they have, you know, they've, they've lost against a B-side. Um, you know, it's putting, does it put a little bit of division in because the dirt trackers now look like they've let down the, the side? Who knows? I also go with your theory, though, that maybe that gives them the pump. We'll, we'll see what happens, eh? Yeah, let's hope it's the other way. That, yeah. uh, <laughs> we can they're, talk, they're, talk down, our, they're down in the mouth. Talk ourselves around in circles. Um all right, so that's that. So that's fantastic. But because, um, but oh, I, I, I've got to say for us, and um, we'll have to get the uh, confidence index out. I think that's a Philip for, for for all of us. I think we can ride high on that at least for two days. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we should have been riding high everywhere this morning. I, I tweeted last night. You've done the whole country proud. But here's how hard the rugby market or the sporting market <laughs> is in Australia. The Canberra Times this morning. Their own team has beaten a Lions team for the first time anyone has in 42 years, a provincial team, or in Australia anyway. And their front page, they ran with the Socceroos qualifying for the World Cup. Yeah, managing to beat Iraq at, at home <laughs> by one goal. Tough market, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is tough. Yeah, that's not very easy. Well, well, I know when people like yourself are even querying which, which game should I watch, uh, you've got to worry. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, you were glad the decision you made. Yes, I did. I did watch the Brumbies live. <laughs> no, you're right. There's a very tough market, but maybe an indication of that is um, some bad news overnight from the under twenties. Right? It goes from bad to worse. Yeah, well, here we are being positive about Australian rugby and the under twenties. The Australian team has lost their uh, third game out of four. They played off against Argentina last night, so they are now in a playoff with Ireland for seventh and eighth. Um, given that we came eighth last year, if we can't get up an island have beaten us once this um, tournament already, we're headed for eighth again. Best we can do is seventh. Wow. That, I mean, that feels like we need there's a bit, an investigation needed there, surely. That's just, that's tragic. Yeah, look, I mean, I know there were some, some issues with working out, you know, preparation. So coaches were appointed a little bit later. But, you know, a lot of these guys have come out of the National Academy. Mm. Um, and you've got National Academy coaches with them, so they know the players. They've been working with them for the last you know, two years, basically. Then put them into a squad with some other guys. Um, but that's, yeah, two years in a row to be you know, seventh or eighth. Um, and we could have two years in a row finishing eighth. It's not good. And, you know, unfortunately, when you look at it, the rest of the world, the England under-20s beat New Zealand in the semi-final. Um, and Wales beat South Africa. So there's the top four teams, and it's England and Wales in the final. So to a certain extent, our under-20s at the moment, last couple of years, are getting left behind. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a bit of a worry. Does that, you know, does, that, does that mean it's going to burble through in the next five to six years, um, that we'll start to see that sort of come, come good? Or is this just a, 
you know, sort of administrative cock-ups and lack of focus. It's kind of hard to know, isn't it? It is. Um, all righty. Well, look, we just want to do that quick podcast. Fantastic to talk to Laurie. Uh, what we're going to look to do is another podcast, another quickie, uh, probably even quicker than this, uh, super quick podcast tomorrow because obviously the teams will be announced and, um, you know, it'll be fascinating. We've been talking about it endlessly as far as what the choices we think they will be. But if they were to be different, they would obviously show um, a bit of a, you know, people's hands for the game plan. So that would be a nice little chat. So keep your eyes out for that. But um, otherwise, thanks for downloading. Uh, Again, any questions uh, or thoughts, send them to us. Leave them on the uh, podcast page. There's so many ways you can get in contact with us. It's not funny. Mate, good to talk to you, and we'll uh, talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. It was a good chat, and talk to everyone tomorrow. Seven